Well, hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We have a live group here in church with us, and we welcome you online to join us for another uh, Sunday School session. We're going to kick it off this morning with a song by Kirk Franklin and I believe the uh, lyrics of the song Donald Malloy, the song is called Joy. And here we go. We welcome everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm almost afraid to find out where Kirk Franklin gets his suits, too. It's like a two-tone suit. <laughs> I'm a Hager man myself. They don't have two-tone suits. <laughs> Amen. Good morning, Brother Roscoe. <laughs> Good morning, Mrs. Gaines. Amen. We appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you for being here. Dad and Delia, good morning. Thanks for being here. Ah, Sister Pearl and Walter, good morning. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Good morning, smiley face. I love it. Fantastic. I'm smiling too. A lot of reason to give praise. Glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. And the coffee's good too. <laughs> Amen. Jackie, good morning. Thank you for being here.
Make sure you take your allergy meds today, everybody. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. It's always affected my eyes more than anything else. Appreciate you being here. It's almost time for more Sunday school. Good morning, good morning. And that is Kirk Franklin and Donald Malloy, the song of joy. And we appreciate you being here this morning. We've got um, a lot of reasons to have joy. Um, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. Um, we, um, we appreciate you being here. God is good. Gave us another day to give him the glory and praise. And I think that this particular Sunday school lesson will give us a little bit of pause, too, to recognize how good we really do have it. We really do have it good. And recognizing that those who are lost, uh, we need to make sure that we are doubling down in our prayers for those people that we know who do not know Jesus because of the debilitating effects of sin. And we're going to cover that a little bit today in our Sunday School lesson. Today, um, later in uh, on the timeline here at the uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, uh, the message, there is a pre-recorded message available. Um, and the title of the message is, For When You're Not Using Your Slingshot. Now, that, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to tune into that and understand where that's coming from. Um, but I'll, I'll just give you a, 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 the lead-in for that. Is it's about how to deal with stress, and and it's something that has been on my heart for about three weeks uh, to talk about how to deal with stress. And it's kind of a different uh, take on where how we got there, how we're getting to dealing with stress. But uh, I appreciate you uh, tuning into that. If you're not coming to church today. You will hear that message live here in church, but if you're not coming to church, stay tuned in the timeline around 1030 and you will see that message available on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. It will also be available on YouTube as well, too. We have a YouTube channel that we are also uploading to and it will be available then. And we appreciate uh, all of you just staying in the word and staying close to uh, what the word has to say to you and letting the spirit speak in the process. So that's just later on after Sunday school in the timeline here, about 1030. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. I want to mention that because we mention it every week. Uh, our, it is a way of uh, worshiping through giving. We uh, ask that if you give prayerful consideration to your giving and if you are uh, desiring to mail your tithes and offerings to Akron Alliance Fellowship, you would do so at, at Akron Alliance Fellowship. 
and the address is 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate you giving consideration to that as well, too. And, of course, there's a lot to be prayerful for, for, not just for giving, but for a number of things. And that's the way our lives have been. We have, things have moved very quickly in our lives in some cases. Um, at the beginning of the year, my, my lovely bride had no idea that she was going to be offered a retirement package, and yet here we are. And so we're at this stage, and we haven't even gotten to June yet. <laughs> and what more can happen this year? Hopefully nothing bad. My wife said, shh, stop it. We're not going to keep talking about that. Um, but let's get into Sunday school, everybody. Let's get into what the Word has to say. We are going to be in the book of John, chapter 12. We're starting a new chapter. John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. This is just after, in in John, chapter 11, the when Jesus uh, brought Lazarus forth from the tomb. And so we're going to uh, look at this passage and read it. And we're going to see some things here. So there, are some three, there are some things here to keep in mind as we look at this particular passage. One of them, of course, is there's going to be a, the occasion of a dinner. Uh, dinner at the home of Lazarus with uh, Mary and Martha. And we're going to see uh, the evidence of the preparation for Jesus' burial. Um, some of the other Gospels just say it's a woman. Well, it's actually Mary who's going to be doing the uh, anointing of Jesus. And the, one, the other point that we're going to cover as well, too, is the deterioration that sin can cause over time. And that's going to be referring specifically to uh, Judas, Judas Iscariot, who's going to be speaking up during this dialogue here in this particular uh, dinner dialogue. That's what's taking place. So let's go ahead and start this and go through this little uh, biblical journey. I like to call it a journey because that's what it is all about. That's what we do here. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we will get started. Father, we just thank you again for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for quieting us now to be able to hear you speak to us in the power of the Spirit. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for how you teach us and how you encourage us with your word and how you remind us of the way we should go, being obedient to your word, following what your word has to say, heeding the words that you spoke to Joshua, and just making sure that we are always uh, hiding the word in our heart, meditating on it day and night. Thank you for those reminders and thank you for your encouragement, like I said, once again. Bless us at this time, Lord, and we give you thanks and give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 12. Let's look at verses 1 through 11. We're going to cover this passage today. This is just after, as I had mentioned, when Lazarus was brought, back, brought forth from the dead and all the witnesses were there in Bethany. Everyone had seen what was taking place. And... Of course, we know that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those were the individuals that were there who had plotted to have Jesus killed. And we're going to see how they were also degraded very greatly by sin as well, too. But let's read in the passage, because there are several things happening in this, in this one very short section. Um, 
Verse 1, John chapter 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Verse 6. And note how John has to point this out to us. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Verse 7. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. All right, that's John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And as you can see, there is a couple of storylines in here um, surrounding the events that took place where this was right before Passover. This was six days before, frankly, Jesus was going to be arrested and taken into custody. And Jesus knew this. So we want to call this a a dinner of celebration. Uh, Let's call it that because Lazarus is present at this dinner uh, along with Mary and Martha. It was a dinner and it shows you how close the relationship was that Jesus had with that family. We're talking about Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Very, very close relationship. Lazarus was a believer in who Jesus was. And and certainly they were just there together now having fellowship and celebrating. So the dinner was being prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served it. Um, and of course, Mary was there as well too. But we want to be reminded too about how far Martha had grown in this whole process too. She had, she had grown a great deal because we know back in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 41, where um, she was... Uh, worried about all kinds of things going on and wanted Mary to get up and help her. And so she had really grown in her faith. And so we're now seeing the culmination of her faith between Mary and Martha. Both of them are very, very strongly uh, aware of who Jesus is. They believe he is the Messiah. They believe he is the risen Lord. And Mary, let's go one step further, believes that Jesus is going to die very soon. That's why she is going through this effort that we read about in verse 3 about taking the 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And we'll talk about that. Um, It is, that essence of nard was an import. It was a fragrant ointment imported from the mountains of India. It came from a long way away. It was very expensive. Mary used a year's worth of wages 
to obtain this oil. Why did Mary have this in the first place? Guess what? It was intended to be used when she died and when she was going to be buried. She wanted to have that used for her purposes, but she took what she had purchased for herself and gave it to Jesus because Jesus was worthy. That's how Mary felt about what Jesus meant to her. And we see some very interesting information that comes from this. And the information that comes from this is that Judas, for whatever reason, when Mary started putting this oil down on Jesus' feet, and she used her hair, and other accounts in the Gospels say that Mary was weeping. She was crying because she knew what was going to happen very soon. Um, she had reason to believe that Jesus was going to be no longer there after a short period of time and was preparing for his burial. We don't know why she believes that. We can only infer that she must have had, must have believed the words that Jesus had spoken to them about how he was going to go away. He wasn't going to be there much longer. And she must have believed that and therefore she acted upon that. So let's talk about Judas. Judas had some issues. Dr. David Jeremiah had mentioned something this morning about how a number of believers or people who call themselves believers are falling away. Well, I'm going to here challenge you to think about this because how is it that people who know Jesus Christ or have a relationship with Jesus are supposedly falling away and not believing anything about who Jesus is. In fact, just denying that he's God, denying uh, that he is a risen Savior. Why is it that there are so many accounts of this taking place today? People who are walking away, pastors who are walking away from churches, congregations, people who have been voted in for leadership and all that, and they're walking away and denying the faith. Well, let me challenge you with something. They were never believers from the beginning. You have to come to a conclusion that the people who said that they professed and believed who Jesus was, we don't have a litmus test to determine if those people are actually believers in Jesus. There is no way that I can speak to anyone else's belief in Jesus Christ other than for myself. And I can't even speak for my lovely bride. She has attested to it. And I believe it because the fruits bear it out. But there's no way for us to know who believes in Jesus and who doesn't. So people can say all kinds of things about what they believe or what they think. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's between you and Jesus and your relationship with Him. And Judas tries to call himself self-righteous. Notice how it says very clearly in verse 4. Go back to John chapter 12, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, John puts it right out there for us all to see. And not that we don't know. We know from history that that's exactly what's taking place. He, he knows who's going to betray Jesus. And guess what? Jesus knows it too. 
And we'll, we'll talk about that very briefly. That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now, why would Jesus have someone in his midst that was clearly not a true follower? Well, let me challenge your thinking once again here. And I, I can't know this. No one can know this. But you better believe that Jesus had been a walking testimony of who he was for the past three years. And believing in Jesus Christ is a choice. We learn this from the behavior of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We learn this from the behavior of those exposed to Jesus up until this point who have seen all his miracles, seen the different things that he's done. Now they just saw Lazarus being brought back from the dead after being four days in the tomb. And they made a choice to say, you know what? I don't really care. We're going to rub this guy out. We're going to get rid of him. I know it sounds like, it sounds like a mafia hit or something. You don't want to put it like that, but, but that's exactly what they were trying to do. They wanted to rub him out. They wanted to get rid of him because having Jesus stay in this authority that he had, he was gaining more and more popularity the Pharisees and Sadducees would no longer have control. They, would be, they were fearful that the Romans would come and say, there's just too much going on here, too much commotion. You guys can't no longer be in authority. And that is what their fear was. So it was all about power. And we have to understand that a lot of people do stuff especially in this era of social media, to exercise power and authority. Well, power and authority over what? Likes and clicks? No. It's not just likes and clicks. You know, social media is monetized now. A lot of people do things for money, for popularity. Get millions of dollars. And so... When it comes to money, sometimes some people will do anything. And, and that was before social media. They'll do anything for, you know, for attention. They'll do anything to get that money in. You know, we've had people uh, who profess to be believers in Jesus and they're up in the pulpit and doing stuff and, and they get a lot of popularity out of it, which is very, it's like a drug. It's very addicting. But let's move on. Judas often dipped into the disciples' money bag for his own use. He was in charge of all the funds. And Jesus knew what Judas was doing. I want you to take a look at a couple of passages with me. Turn to John. Let's go back to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Now, this, is, this comes back to how we need to recognize that Jesus knows the hearts of every person. 
Why? Because He is their Creator. He knows all about who they are. He knows the personalities. He knows the tendencies. He knows what people need. And Jesus has to deal with all of us individually because we have different personalities. We have different ways of doing things. We have different ways of perceiving His presence. Some of us have more difficulty in prayer and some of us are challenged to pray more because Satan is attacking and trying to keep us from doing things. And Jesus knows exactly how to deal with each individual in those areas. Now, I'm talking about believers. But there's also the non-believers that Jesus deals with as well too. Look at John chapter 2, verse 24. Verses 24 and 25. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is being pointed out very early in John's Gospel about the encounters that Jesus is having, but he knows the hearts of every person, every single individual he encounters. And he used, key word here, Jesus would not entrust himself to them, even though he was doing signs, even though he was doing things to show himself as far as who he was. Now let's look at another passage. Flip over to John chapter 6. And these are passages we've already covered. But these are good reminders for us. And this is in the section of Scripture in John chapter 6 where a lot of the people who were following Jesus or pretending to follow Him, whatever you want to call it, they were following Him around, but they deserted Him. And it's not unlike what we observe today with behaviors. Go to some of these sites like the Christian Post or different areas and you see these different pastors who just say, you know what, I'm not following him anymore. I'm turned away from him. Verse 64. But there are some among you who don't believe. Now look what it says. and It's in quotes in my Bible. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who do, did not believe and the one who would betray Him. And the one who would betray Him. Who are we talking about? Judas Iscariot. The one is referring to Judas. There are many who betrayed Him, but the one being referred to here is Judas. So we want to be clear about how Jesus is completely aware. Don't think for a moment that Jesus doesn't know who he's dealing with. Don't think for a moment that he doesn't. This is all part of God's plan. It's all part of what God has orchestrated. Remember, he never went before his time. He always went according to the time he designated. In spite of what others wanted to do to him, he managed to walk away from those instances. Only when it was time for him to go to the cross is when he went, because that was the time. Jesus knew what they were thinking, but he didn't say anything about it. He didn't do anything about it. So, understand something. When we choose the way of sin, God may allow us 
Just keep sinning. Won't do anything immediately to stop you. Think about that. And doesn't mean though he approves of it. Sin is sin. I mean, hey, go back to the book of Numbers and even God made provision for those who unintentionally sinned. They still had to have a sacrifice done for that. He doesn't permit sin. It's not allowed. Doesn't mean he approves of our actions. And you're basically making a bank for yourself. You're putting the wrong kind of bank together if you keep on sinning. And we'll look more about what that means when it comes to Judas Iscariot. And Judas tries to come off like he's holier than thou in verse 5 about this perfume was worth a whole year's wages. It should have been sold and given to the poor. And basically, John is calling him out in the next verse saying that's just a jive statement because we know that's he doesn't have any, any desire to do any sort of thing whatsoever. If anything, he probably would have sold it and kept the money for himself. And a lot of folks do stuff like that too. They say things to try to appear to look a certain way and their hearts are thinking something totally different. I don't want to, I'm not going to get personal about this. Let me keep moving because I get mad if I start thinking about it too much. So, Jesus knew what was in Judas's heart. <laughs> Judas's life had become a lie and the devil was gaining more and more control over Judas because of his life. Take a look at John 13. Go to John chapter 13. Now we're not we haven't gotten to John chapter 13 yet, but I want you to see what John says in this particular instance. It's John 13:27. Get my note. Now, we know the account when Judas's betrayal was being predicted at the time. But the key verse here is, after Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. We have a very clear statement being made where Judas, because of his life of sin, continuing to sin, basically becoming weaker and weaker and weaker as a person because of the way he was living, at that moment, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you're doing, do quickly. The biggest danger that we have for those who are not believers, those who choose to live a life that is contrary to God's word, living a life, of, a life as a lie a life where you're just lying about everything, deceitful about everything, you are subjecting yourself for Satan to take over. Take over your life. And that's the danger. We see this. It's in God's Word. We're talking about something that's taking place. And remember what I said earlier. Jesus 
even referred to Judas as friend right at the moment he was being turned over to the authorities. But Jesus knew the heart of Judas. And I'm not going to try to understand all of that dialogue, but you'd have to think that Jesus was trying to reach Judas in some way, shape, or form to get him to turn his life over. Turn back from what he was doing. But we have an all-knowing God who knew the heart of Judas and essentially had declared it would have been better for him to have never been born. That's a real stark statement. But that was a choice that Judas made. You've got to understand that. He was following his own desires. We want to make sure that whenever we say something, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Don't take a vow to do something that you're not going to do. Be true about your words. You want to make sure that your actions are consistent with your words. Have you ever been around somebody who you just couldn't trust as far as you could throw them? Amen? Yeah. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. You've, you've been around folks, you know you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. And goodness knows if they were 400 pounds, you couldn't throw them. But the bottom line is that you can't throw them anywhere because you just don't trust what they say. You don't want to be around someone like that. But you should pray for that person. You should pray for that person. You should pray that that person turns around. Do you realize that the Spirit speaks to everybody, has spoken to everybody, and some have decided to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and some just decide not to. But He doesn't stop speaking to those people. He doesn't stop trying to win them over. He loves those people. He wants to see them come to a saving knowledge. But you choose the way you want to go. That's why I said earlier at the beginning, there are people who have said, I'll, I'll go and go to seminary, go and learn, get chosen to go to a church, get voted in to be pastor. But are they following Jesus? Are they living for Jesus? Or are they just fulfilling a role? How devastating do you think it is for churches who have pastors who say, you know what? I've been teaching you all this time and I've been talking about Jesus and you know what? I don't believe any of this stuff anymore. You know how crazy that sounds? But it's happening. It's happening now. It's happening. This is all stuff that's talked about in Scripture. This is a falling away. But please understand something. Your relationship with Jesus Christ means everything to you. And how you live and show who Christ is to others. That's what mean, matters most. 
Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And here's the other kicker. Jesus uses everybody to preach his gospel. He uses believers and he uses non-believers. But the gospel will be proclaimed and the gospel will be carried forth. Now, if you want to be a willing participant in that and be a believer, hey, praise the Lord. That's great. But God knows the hearts of every single person. Let's move on. Go back to John chapter 12, verse 7. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Verse 8, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, that's a direct comment to Judas. You'll always have the poor. And we understand that this is not about an issue where you necessarily sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, that may be a command he gives to one person because he knows what their challenge is when it comes to money, just like the rich guy who was uh, walking and wanted to be a follower of Jesus. That was a direct comment to him about what to do. But the, the man couldn't do it and walked away sadly. You know why? Because it hit exactly where he needed to be hit. His heart. Mary was anticipating Jesus' burial, the public direct declaration that he indeed was the Messiah. She knew exactly what she was doing. Judas, you know, Jesus was trying to teach Judas a lesson about money, but, you know, listen, you, you'd make a statement, Judas wasn't going to learn any lesson from that. He still tried to teach him. He still tried to reach him. He still tried to speak unto him. I mean, how do we know that? He sold Jesus' life for 30 pieces of silver. It's all about the money. Remember what I told you about earlier? For many people, it's all about the money. It's all about power. It's all about authority. Some sort of vice like that that keeps that person burdened to the point where they can't acknowledge or follow Jesus Christ. Sin is paralyzing. It can be paralyzing. The only one who can release you from that Bondage, because that's what it is, is Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus as Lord. Let's go a little further. Go down to verse 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Jesus was as popular as he had ever been. And people came from all over. When they found out where he was, they went to Bethany. They wanted to see him there. And they also wanted to see Lazarus. Why? Because they wanted to see this man was dead. And Jesus brought him back to life. And here he is having dinner in his house with Jesus. They wanted to see the evidence. They had heard from afar and they wanted to come and see him. Very popular. 
But that didn't seem to matter to the leading priests. The leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. There are accounts, you know, we don't really have any information from Scripture about this, but there are accounts that Lazarus was harassed after this because of the fact that he was a living person. He was supposed to be dead. And that was just giving further credence to what Jesus had done. And look what it says again, verse 10 and verse 11. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Deserted the priests. The priests had virtually no authority amongst those individuals. And therefore, not only do we want to get rid of Jesus, let's take care of Lazarus too. They wanted to plot to murder Lazarus. What do we learn from this? One sin leads to another. One sin leads to another. What's an example in Scripture we can think of about where that takes place? David lusting over Bathsheba and having her come to the palace so they could have sex was lust. Then Bathsheba comes back and says, I'm pregnant. Man, I'm pregnant. What am I going to do with that? Let's go ahead and take care of her husband. That's just one sin after another. It just keeps going and going and going. And there was a cost for it now. We already know that David paid the penalty, paid the price for that. He finally repented when Nathan confronted him. But at the end of the day, how many sins were taking place? Where he basically had the Bathsheba's husband murdered. A faithful, loyal member of his army. Sin leads to more sin. It's a downward spiral. The religious leaders were on that downward spiral as well. Even though they saw the evidence of what Jesus had done, they would much rather get rid of him. And Jesus knew they were going to do that because he knows the hearts of every person that he's interacting with. I'm prayerful that when you read these accounts and see these accounts and Scripture is referring to these, you know, the idea of wanting, why do we want to kill Lazarus? It was a symbol of the power of Jesus that Lazarus was alive. That's why they wanted to take him out. But that's exactly why we need to recognize this is a warning to all of us. This is a warning to everybody within the sound of my voice of what sin can do. It is debilitating. It destroys you. Compounding sin on top of sin. There comes a point where your heart is so hard, you ain't coming back. 
And Judas, we know later in the account, after he saw that he had betrayed an innocent man, really? Did he really just figure that out? At the end, when he said, you know, he betrayed an innocent man. We all know that. That's exactly what was taking place. And he wanted to give the money back. Sin leads to a downward spiral. The only way to resolve it is to repent. Repent and ask the Holy Spirit to change your behavior. Now keep in mind, there's a bunch of folks that we may know who were caught up in sin just like this, but they figured out, they repented and turned to Christ. The prison ministry reaches many people in this manner. People who lived a life of crime, lived a life of sin, lived a life of indifference about your well wherewithal and anything that you have. They don't care. They'll take right from you. There are people who have no problem taking from you for their own selfish reasons. It's usually money. There has to be a heart of repentance. And remember what I said. The Spirit's always speaking to those people. Those people are being nudged and nudged and nudged. They know what's right and they know what's wrong. It's part of a natural order type thing. They know what's right and they know what's wrong. So... Prayerfully, we don't know anyone who's like a Judas Iscariot. But if we did, we know what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray for that person. We live in an extraordinary time right now. I say that only because we're in the last days. We know we're in the last days, right? But here's the one reminder I want to give to everybody in here. What has to happen before Jesus comes back in the air for the rapture? Absolutely nothing. Nothing has to happen. There is nothing that needs to take place scripturally. He can return any moment in that manner. That's why we have to be in prayer. That's why we have to lift up the Lord with holy hands, Sometimes get on our knees and pray. Sometimes just stop for a few minutes during your your daily reading and just meditate on His Word and just pray for people that come to mind. The prayers of the righteous avail much. And John is pointing out to us Examples in this passage right here of people who truly believe in Jesus, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, believe he is who he says he is, and Judas, who doesn't accept who he is, doesn't accept it, doesn't want to accept it. That's our challenge for today. That's our challenge for life. Amen?
Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your teaching. Thank You for how You call to our attention the need as people are brought to mind that we know the need for prayer for those people. Lord, living a life of sin we know is so debilitating and it can destroy people and it has destroyed people. We pray, Lord, that you just make a turnaround in those people's lives, that you give them the desire to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Give them the desire to repent and turn from their ways. Give them the desire to seek you and learn more about who you are and genuinely believe that you are their Lord and Savior. We pray today and we pray now and we pray for as long as we have breath. We lift those individuals up to you as we in turn, Lord, remain focused on being obedient to your word and serving you as you have called us. We thank you for these reminders and for the teaching. We thank you for the emphasis on who you are. Lord, we want to live in the manner that Mary and Martha did. As we learn more about who you were, we wanted to serve you, acknowledge you, praise you, worship you, glorify you. We thank you for all of these things. We ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here today. Thank you, and we pray that you take this message and take it with you and really pray and meditate on the importance of praying for people who don't know Jesus Christ. Lift them up in prayer right now. God bless you. Stay tuned on the timeline at 1030 for today's message that's pre-recorded. Uh, on for when you're not using your slingshot. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.